0: John Amadeo, AA6JA, sent us a special note here about the KA6 LMS special event station going QRT with a bang. If you're a fan of Tim Allen's TV series, Last Man Standing, you'll have a final chance to contact the show's amateur radio club station before it goes QRT. The week-long KA6 LMS radio special event starts on March 24th at 000 UTC and runs through 2359 UTC on March 30th which is the show's final day of shooting. This will be an all-mode, all-band event. Fans will have an opportunity to work the bonus one-by-one stations, K6L, K6M, K6S, W6L, W6M, and W6S. Stations from every call sign area will operate as KA6LMS-0 Stroke through KA6LMS-9, Stroke providing nationwide coverage. The remote operators are a virtual who's who of ham celebrities, contesters, and podcasters. Many will live stream their operations. Check spotting sites like DX Summit for pop-up operations on any day at any time during the event week. We expect the on-stage radios to be in operation from the studio in California on Saturday, March 27th at 1800 UTC using 20 meters and on Sunday at 2200 UTC using 40 meters. Remote stations will act as relays to give everyone an opportunity to make a contact with the stage. If you're a fan of digital modes, Saturday, March 27th is your day. At 1700 UTC, K6 LMS will be using D-Star on reflector 12 Alpha hosted by the Papa repeater system. At 1900 UTC, the D-Star action moves to reflector 30 Bravo hosted by Georgia D-Star. At 2300 UTC, Amateur Logic TV will host the KA6 LMS multi-mode QSO party using Allstar DMR with uh, VIA Brandmeister D-Star NXDN P25. Echolink, Hamshack Hotline, WiresX, and Yezu System Fusion. A live stream of this activation will be available at live.amateurlogic.tv. KA6LMS QSL cards will be available for stations who contact the stage directly or through relay stations. Special event certificates, including clean sweep endorsements, will be available for download. The KA6LMS radio event is sponsored by the Great South Bay Amateur Radio Club's 12 Days of Christmas and K2 Heroes team in association with the amateur logic tv the papa repeater system and georgia d star for more information go to www.gsbarc.org/lms
1: are listening to Linux in the Hamshack, LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Hello everybody and
2: welcome to UMTuneIn to episode number 402 of Linux in the Hamshack and we appreciate you being here this will be our short topics episode so thanks to everybody who's tuning in and thanks to everybody who visited us visited us back last saturday or whenever you're listening to this on saturday the 13th of march when we had the uso today virtual ham expo live uh thing that we did Uh, The audio for that came out as episode 400, so hopefully you got a chance to listen to it. And the video of that will be available at some point, just not yet. We'll let everybody know when that's going to be. But let's move into our short topics. Again, episode 402. I'm Russ, K5TUX.
3: I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD.
2: Who's actually not delayed at all today. So excellent. (laughs) Let's hope hope (laughs) it continues to stay that way but with that said let's go ahead and jump right into our actual lead topic which is the thing i just mentioned so bill's gonna tell us his uh his uh take maybe on uh what happened i don't know if we're gonna talk about it that much but uh it's our lead topic anyway so go for it
0: yeah we'll uh we'll just go over and cover the uh, copy here which uh, of course is that the qso today virtual ham expo on demand is now open an email was received uh, from Eric. Uh, well, today or yesterday, I can't remember. <laughs>
3: I think it was today. Yeah, okay. So, so today,
0: as we record the podcast, which is a few days before you actually hear it, uh, his team are regarding the opening of the on-demand period for the expo. The QSO today virtual ham expo is now live and back on our Vfairs platform in on-demand mode until April 16th. If it says invalid registration, just use the registration button, fill out the form, and you will be in. So don't uh, don't freak out. Just just go ahead and do that. Uh, we reloaded all the ticket holders into vFares to make this as smooth as possible, or a smooth operation. Uh, once inside, all the presentation videos are in the auditorium on the presentation screen. Click on the audi- auditorium door on the right side of the lobby. Uh, you can go to the full screen mode with the icon on the right of the play bar. Uh, so this is, a, this is a navigatable window that sits in the middle of your screen <laughs> with all of the uh, content on Vimeo. And you can either... Uh, hit the left and right button to go to uh, the particular presentation you want. They're all kind of like in there. And I think there's also an option to uh, see the menu. Um, I forget what button you actually press to do that, but you can see all of the uh, options and click right to it, to whichever one you want to go see the presentations at least. Uh, Let's see. uh, What else do you say? Uh, I am building a site for the blind and vision impaired hams. Once it is finished, I will send a message by email to everyone to say that the link will be uh, on the QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo website homepage and can be found easily with your screen reader. Expected uh, time of arrival on that is Friday. So probably before this podcast releases. Uh, The exhibit hall is open with downloadable content and videos from sponsors and exhibitors. We thank them for their loyalty and patience. Again, we apologize for the inconvenience that we caused you last weekend. We have not ignored anyone's message to us. We were all overwhelmed with thousands of emails on every channel. We wish we will answer everyone. Obviously very late. Please do not reply to this message unless you just can't get into the expo. We have made every effort to make it as easy as just re-registering on the vFair site. So there you go. That's, uh, that's where the state of things are. Um, i uh i was logged in with two different users, so i just want to give you a little background <laughs> uh, I had one for l h s podcast and one for the k two b s a and i was logged in early on both of them and I had no problems getting into uh presentations. I did notice a lot of the uh a lot of the presentation hosts and stuff like that were having some bandwidth issues. Um, and then of course, at the very early on Friday, obviously people were having problems logging in because I think the, uh, the authentication servers or whatever with the, uh, AirMeet platform weren't, weren't actually load tested for <laughs> as many, as many tickets as, as he sold and as many expected visitors. Um, which, uh, you know, it is what it is. The platform is based and hosted in, uh, India. So, uh, with a lot of people coming from the U S. Uh, you know, it might not have been the best path, whatnot, but, uh, hey, hindsight's 50-50. Uh, another thing, uh, um, hindsight is 50-50. See. Yeah, 50-50, right?
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Blind. <laughs> but it's going to be that kind of night, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> hindsight's 2020. Yeah. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> I, I had no idea. I was thinking about, I was trying to think about what I was going to say, uh, about, uh, oh, oh, um, yeah. So I saw a lot of people talking about like this browser didn't work. That browser didn't work and whatever browser didn't work. And I, I just don't know anything about that. I mean, I was running Chrome (laughs) on one account and I was running edge on the other account. And some people said only Firefox works. So I really think this is individual users, computers. And I think it was possibly just a, maybe a short sightedness on Eric's part, using a completely new platform for people to join. Um, I don't want to really say this, but, you know, we know the statistics and the demographics of the amateur radio community. And if you've trained, uh, you know, one of your loved ones, how to use zoom and stuff like that, that's probably one of the few platforms that they can actually connect. You know, they get on Skype and they can't find the camera button. They get on, (laughs) they get on some new platform and all of a sudden their computer doesn't work. Um, it's nothing to do with the platform it does have a little to do with the technical savviness of the user in navigating these very new and um distributed platforms uh so yeah i would have probably spent a little more time in uh, demoing and training and 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 getting people on the site and doing more testing but i think it turned out pretty well um I think the tables from a vendor aspect, I don't know how many people you got actually come into
2: the table. Just just had, one, but we had a good it, conversation, so
0: <laughs> yeah, I had just one. I think I missed one too cuz you said you missed one. <laughs> I think I was on someone started talking and I'm like, "Where is that noise coming from?" But I did have one <laughs> and I had a nice conversation on the K2BSA booth. That was a little confusing um because there was there was an, a way to notify that People were interested in talking to you, but I never received any notifications. I'm not sure if anybody ever clicked that or what that actually meant or what that was supposed to do. Um, and when someone joined the table that you were joined to, you really didn't get a notification that said, hey, someone's here. All of a sudden, they just start talking. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that was kind of weird, too. Um, but overall, I thought you know, a lot of the presentations, I did see like three or four of them during the conference um i thought the content was really good and um yeah beyond the usual you know i can't use zoom i can't use skype issues of some users or some users not really having you know if they were in a low bandwidth situation that maybe is good enough for something hosted in the united states um it definitely wasn't a good condition (laughs) if you're right on the the borderline there for uh Someone uh, hosting something in another country, so um, and I'm not sure what could be done to fix that besides, you know, obviously picking a different platform. But then you'd probably still have the same problem. You know, you'd have picked uh, whatever the Verizon one is, Blue Jeans or something like that. Um, you'd had the same thing, like you know, you know, user user experience curve where they just don't really know how to operate it very well and not familiar with it, and then they have all kinds of plugins on their browser or extensions that they don't even know about, like you know uh coupon saving books and stuff like that that's injecting stuff in the html <laughs> on every tab that you open um people will experience issues so um but i i thought it was positive and i think eric and his team did a really good job of kind of you know damage control you know beyond the the very first day there was some you know statements made that i thought were not very uh um legitimate but uh beyond that they started uh, cleaning their act up throughout the weekend and uh i i think they still gave plenty of value for uh, for those that paid ticket monies and uh you know hopefully the the vendors that paid for booths and sponsored and stuff like that got uh, got what they wanted out of it as well what do you think
2: no i'm I'm going to agree with all of that and i will say that he uh he eric was is just as attentive to to us uh being mere podcasters at the platform as he was to all of his uh high dollar sponsors so and uh he he really fought hard even with everything going on to get us uh to work like on time and everything and so yeah, he he did his level best to keep things moving despite all the issues and I know that uh, if he does recover as he says he will <laughs> and put and put on one in August that it will definitely go off much better than this one. I think he's I think he's learned many lessons that will make whatever whenever the next one happens a lot better.
0: Yeah, I I, I really feel that he should push to just doing an annual event and um uh, I, you know, I, I literally I think, think he'll that.
2: split his attendance. He'll split his attendance in half if he does it. You know, I mean, I think it'll be more, more enticing to people to just do it once a year. I mean, I think people, no one's pushing for hamvention to be twice a year or anything like that. No, so, no. Um, so yeah, I think, I think once a year is more than enough for an event like this. Um. I'm not sure what his six month thought policy is or thought process is. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you're starting to see, like, we're going to mention a story here in a few minutes that you know, is, is kind of like a hybrid event. So I think a lot of a lot of uh, on, you know, in-person events are going to be mixed, hybrid and in-person for those that want to socially distant. And, you know, even after they get uh, vaccinations and whatnot. So I think that, you know, strictly a straight online event, although is convenient for some things, something like this. I think there's just, it's just still still not quite the right combination of platforms and there's definitely not a right combination of integrations to make everything cohesive for the end user. So I think the user experience is still fairly lousy. I'm still, the the content is good and everything is good. I'm just saying that the the user experience, I think, is still, still pretty on the lousy side. So. I mean that would be something you'd want to focus on and I don't think you could solve that in in 5 months. I mean unless he's already signed contracts for software and platforms and stuff like that and he's locked in then that's really, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't uh <clears throat> I don't know if I would have made that kind of commitment but uh hey, he's 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 the man, so
2: Yep, it's his baby, and he's going to run it the way he wants. So (laughs) whenever it happens next, I'm sure we're going to try and be a part of it. So hopefully it it goes off much better next time. And if there's a better integration between AirMeet and vFairs uh, the next time around, and some of the technical hitches worked out, I think it'll be uh, highly successful.
0: Yeah, I mean, what I saw of the AirMeet platform, it, it worked fairly well. Yeah, but I it was so just too. so disconnected from the vfair site that it's like i almost felt like you didn't even need the vfair site figure a way to get all the content in airmeet and then toss the other one
2: well yeah and if i had known the integration really wasn't there i would have if i would have tried to figure out what the airmeet link was and link it from the V because you're we're able to set our links yeah. i would have just used the banner on our booth to link to the to the airmeet site that probably would have been really useful <laughs>
0: yeah yeah that would have that would have been something like part of the user experience is like just having a direct way to get right into you know the tables to talk to people and stuff like that because i actually hang hang out in the 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 old check tax text rooms too those were still part of the vfairs platform the little chat rooms
2: right and i didn't see a single person join <laughs> no I, I didn't was either. connected
0: all weekend <laughs> the worst thing to me about the Air log,
2: yeah i mean it was the airme platform was pretty nice the worst thing about it for me though is was there wasn't some nice url there was no like airme.com slash events slash qso today or something like that it was just this ridiculous um hex url you know String. Well, that
0: would have been fine if, like, you would actually have a GUID to go into each room, but each room didn't have its own GUID that was right. exposed to a URL, so you couldn't hard link a room. You could just hard link the event.
2: The event so, like, you'd have to search for the room or, go down or scroll down through yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's
0: just, yeah, it's all about the user experience, and that's kind of what, if he's got to do
2: anything, work on that part. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
3: That's probably right. something he would appreciate some input on.
2: So. Oh, he listens to the show, so he just got it. Yeah, he yeah. just got it. Yeah, so there you go. And he's a
0: sponsor. So. Well, yeah, he's a, so. well, he's a Patreon. So. He's a Patreon. Yes. <laughs> yep, so. So.
2: All right. Very cool. So let's uh, let's stop talking about QSO today. Uh, the links to uh, all the events and everything the vfair site and air Meet and all that well wherever you can get content will be in the show notes as necessary so if you want to check out that stuff and don't already know how to go there and you'll be able to get there so let's move on to our one other amateur radio topic tonight since we kind of went a little long on that one <laughs> um this is about another ham radio event it's the friedrichshafen ham radio event in germany Plans continue for in-person events going on over there uh, from June 25th through the 27th. But the Deutsche Amateur Radio Club, DARK, not to be confused with DARA, which is a totally different thing, concedes that the COVID-19 pandemic is making planning exceedingly difficult. The DARK. (laughs) They're in the DARK. (laughs) (laughs) So if you join the club, you're in the DARK. Uh, okay. Is the event sponsor, while the venue, the Friedrichshafen Fairground, uh, Messe Friedrichshafen, you can see how poor my German is, and local authorities have the last word. Planning underway includes appropriate hygienic and physical distancing policies. Oh, I'm so glad they used physical distancing instead of social distancing. I'm so tired of that term. It's also it's also just plain wrong. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, Dark said it's planning a state-of-the-art online conference event, quote-unquote, in parallel with the arrangements underway for the in-person event. It's contacting international amateur radio organizations to provide presentations in video or other formats. So if you're in Europe around the end of June and you want to try to event or try to attend Friedrichshafen ham radio, uh, you should try and get ready for that because it may be in person.
0: Yeah. And if you're uh, international, which you may have issues traveling to the country in now, (laughs) that's
2: where they're (laughs) going to have the virtual
0: portion of that. So there's that hybrid conference. And I would see that. uh, I think that's going to be a theme we're going to see even moving into uh,
2: next year. I'm sure it will be a theme until we get all this COVID junk sorted out. All right. So let's get into open source. And Bill has been playing around with Garuda. So what else do you want to tell us about this distri- this this wonderful mighty distribution that's that's come to your attention of <laughs> late?
0: Yeah, this is getting all the news. Yeah. I was uh I was on my phone actually this morning. I always like kinda flicked through uh uh news articles and, and stuff like that and in between the uh, New York Times and, and uh other uh uh horrible uh <laughs> Papers. This article popped up from uh, Tech Republic, and it mentioned uh, Garuda Linux KDE version usurps deep in Linux as the most beautiful Linux desktop. There it is, folks. Deep in is now in the deep end and has been tossed to the side. Jack Wallen over at uh, Tech Republic tells us that the world of Linux has some beautiful desktops. But to date, one of the most beautiful has been deep end Linux. Uh, the Deepin desktop is elegant, simple to use, and as reliable as a desktop as you'll find on a PC. For the longest time, I was certain no Linux distribution could best the beauty of Deepin, until a reader pointed me toward a distribution that I had, surprisingly enough, never heard of. That distribution is Garuda Linux. Garuda Linux is an Arch-based distribution that can be installed with KDE, XFC, GNOME, LXQT, Win, KWIN, sorry, LXQT, win, KWIN? <laughs> <laughs> Cinnamon, Mate, Wayfire, uh, Qtile, BSPWM, and I-, I I3WM desktops. That's a pretty good list to choose from. However, if you go with the KDE version, you're getting something special uh, because the designers and developers have taken great pains to create a work of art on the desktop. And what makes Garuda special? Obviously, we have a gorgeous desktop, but what makes Garuda special goes deeper than aesthetics. The developers have gone out of their way to make this Linux distribution as user friendly as it is beautiful. Given this is a distribution based on Arch Linux, that's impressive. Sure, there are plenty of user friendly Arch based distributions around, but Garuda transforms Arch into a platform that's easy to use as easy to use as Ubuntu. Let that sink in for a moment. And that, of course, came from Tech Republic. And I really I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, <laughs> all of the uh, all of the niceties and ease of installation, um, the little uh, they have like an app launcher that kind of gives you uh, shortcuts to doing things. Uh, I forget what that's actually called. But if you read the Tech Republic article that we've linked in the show notes, um, you will see what I'm talking about. And of course, we reviewed it here on the podcast. And it's uh, I I I. I like it. I I do like it. I I haven't switched over yet, so I haven't made it a daily driver, but it's uh, it's getting closer.
2: Well, I as yet have not even tried Garuda, so maybe that has to be on my roadmap for the next little while, and see if I can actually bring myself to do an Arch-based distro at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so it so it handles like AURs like really nicely. Is that what I'm getting?
0: Yeah, it's already uh, those are already turned on by default, so it's kind of like getting you immersed into that environment anyway. So I mean, it's still a buyer beware kind of <laughs> uh proposition because I mean, if you search for like WSJTX, you do see like seven different versions. <laughs> okay. So you do have to be a slightly I wouldn't say as, uh, you know, um a, you know, a slightly sophisticated user, I think. I don't know. To some extent, you have to kind of know what you're doing when you pick a package out of the AUR pile. Uh, like we always say, anytime you get with AUR, you, uh, you know, it is a buyer beware. You know, know what you're looking at, know what you're installing. Stay away from the ones that say Git.
3: <laughs>
0: because every time someone commits, guess who's getting a new package installed on their computer? You. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: so, so no stay away from those look for re, you know release builds that are general availability builds stay away from the RCs and, and the gets and, and unless you really enjoy
2: that because you will see stuff break all the time then uh, Darren in the chat wants to know how big the Garuda Linux ISO is
0: uh, I just downloaded let's see, I have both of them here so I'll look real quick uh, let's see Garuda oh let me switch my view so I can actually see I should probably just open a damn terminal <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see, LL. There we go. Yes, I use shortcuts too. <laughs>
2: let's
0: see, Garuda Linux. uh Let's see, Dragonized Linux, which is the KDE one was two point two gig, and the um the GNOME one, GNOME one was two gig. So
2: they're pretty, they're pretty thick, but not too bad. All right, very cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to give Garuda a try. See how it is. It's been a while since I played with Arch, so. Anyway, let's move on. We have a flash topic about Audacity, which appears to be the longest topic we have. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I meant to
0: cut it back, but it was still kind of interesting content. (laughs)
2: All right, so I'm just going to go ahead and read it through here. Uh, This is about Audacity and the fact that version 3 has been released. It's been version 2 for as long as I can remember, actually. (laughs) I think I did start on like 1.3, but that was like a long time ago. Uh, James Crook announced that we're pleased to announce the release of Audacity 3, which replaces all previous versions for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. This is 3.0.0, by the way. That's two zeros, which means you probably don't want to use it yet. Um, It's a major update on our previous Audacity 242. We've changed the format in which we save Audacity projects. Previously, we saved projects as a sometimes large number of small files. Yes, I'm aware of that. (laughs) Uh, This way of doing things is sometimes called a pile of files, the problem which happened all too often was that the data files and the AUP file parted ways. Users quite reasonably expected the AUP file to contain the entire project. Well, the new AUP3 file does contain the data as well. Ooh, that's kind of cool. I like it. The technical detail is that we're using an open source database, SQLite 3, to store everything in one AUP3 file. That all happens behind the scenes. SQLite 3 is open source, Yeah, 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 yadda. SQLite 3. Okay. Uh, we did have time to improve our noise gate effect and add a new analyzer label sounds that can label sounds and silences. Ooh, that's kind of cool. I can see a use for that. We also made a few small tweaks elsewhere. You can now import and export macros. And there are a couple of commands for using the last use tool or last use analyzer that you can give shortcuts to. Hmm. I'm liking this already. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we also fixed over 160 bugs that have been accumulating over the years. This is quite a staggering amount of work. The majority of those bugs were minor problems easily worked around. Some though were really juicy high priority bugs that would have mattered a lot to the people affected by them. We're really glad to have these bugs fixed now. We hope you enjoy using Audacity 3.0.0 as much as we enjoyed putting it together. So cool. Thank you Woo-hoo. to James Crook and the Audacity development team for what sounds yeah. like a great new release of audacity
0: yeah i figured that would uh pique your interest you know <laughs> obviously we use audacity uh, uh quite a bit in the uh, in the whole podcasting gig so uh it's always kind of cool to see uh, the toy uh, the tooling uh, kind of update and improve especially the uh, the pile of files thing <laughs> i was really happy to see that
2: <laughs> go oh, i am you don't know how happy i am to see that gone i wonder if you can i wonder if the we'll take a pile, the pile of eyes version an AUP and convert it to an AUP if you if you or an aup three if you resave it.
0: Mm, interesting. I, <laughs>
2: sounds like a time to try that out. I definitely think so because that would that would free up probably a lot of iNodes on my disks.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's something we should talk about someday. Inodes. I, know, mm. I bet people don't even know what iNodes are. Uh, well, there, I mean, obviously some people know what iNodes are, but I, I don't there, think enough.
0: They're nodes with an I in front. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, every once in a while in my past, I've had a situation where a disk would fill up, even though it was only 50% full. And you go, wait a minute, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and it's because you ran out of iNodes. So anyway, uh, enough about that. That may be another topic for another day. So we have another flash topic here called cubes, And Bill's going to walk us through cubes. Kubes. It's, it's KUHA.
0: <laughs> it looks like
2: cubes. Wait, do I have to clean my glasses? Yeah, I think so. You got you, you need to make sure you clean your glasses. Your, uh... and... I did clean my glasses earlier, but apparently I did not do it quite effectively enough because that looks like cubes to me. K-O-O-B-S. Well, you, you
3: were messing up uh, call signs during the QSO thing, so
2: maybe you should blow the
3: font up on your computer a little yeah, what, bit. Yeah. What, what, I do what,
0: have mine at 150, so.
2: What call <laughs> sign was I messing up?
3: Uh, it was like W A F something and you kept saying it was like WAB or something. And I kept... Oh, oh the, during the, the, the QSO Today event. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. because you would say it and I'd be like, um, you messed that up again. Oh, uh, <laughs> so, well, I couldn't even
0: read those text notes yeah. on Eric. Uh, I was so tiny. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. And then I realized I could zoom everything in and not affect the video itself.
3: Right. <laughs> so I was like,
0: oh, I should have zoomed out
2: the whole screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's do this a little bit differently. Let's do this as
0: cool off kuha flash kuha a simple screen recorder now available hey we always like screen recorders because like it's fun to do that stuff it can record microphone and speaker sounds and works on both x11 and that dirty Wayland. Uh so Kuha only uses uh fully open source libraries such as GStreamer, but unfortunately it doesn't support desktop environments other than a GNOME. Well, is there any other desktop environment other than a GNOME? I don't think so.
2: Uh, oh come on, you're a GNOME <laughs> hater and you know it, so
0: I have that's all I have on my systems is GNOME. <laughs>
2: And you've, you've been bad-mouthing it for years. So. I know. I do. I do.
0: <laughs> I, well, because I like Budgie for a while, but then I, I finally got so used to GNOME. I was like, okay, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> One of the development priorities right now is to support the other DEs, such as KDE and Elementary, which is actually Pantheon, not Elementary, but whatever. We won't talk about that. Um so, yeah, so this is kind of cool. I haven't actually tried this. I wanted to try it, and I wanted to flip to Wayland to actually try it, because I'm not using Wayland right now, I don't think. I, I don't remember. Uh, but, um, yeah, because I've tried OBS, and yeah, obviously that doesn't work well, right out not, of the box. Not
2: using Wayland is good for your sanity. So <laughs> Yeah. But now
0: that uh, this works for uh, Wayland, um, and, of course, I also – I didn't include it in tonight's topics, but uh, I noticed that the uh, – the OBS beta and the flat pack now uh, comes pre-wired for working well with Wayland. Um, yeah, this is looking good. So all those Wayland haters and yeah, you know, this doesn't work and that doesn't work and this doesn't work and that doesn't work. Blah, blah 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 blah. Well, guess what? You know, stuff is finally catching up, and I don't think we're gonna get any more releases of X11, kids. So you know,
2: <laughs> you might as well st- uh, jump on board. I still can't use Wayland. It just can't because it because barrier doesn't support it and so i'm not sure
0: uh, well that i did and get somebody to fix it <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah that, that person's not going to be me i know it's an open source project and i know you know i could go in there and try and figure it out but i'm not going to learn how wayland works just to fix an application so yeah, so it would, uh, i
0: would i would assume it wouldn't be that hard you just have to know where the mouse is
2: yeah so barrier team um if anybody from the Barrier team is listening, go ahead and fix it so it works with Wayland.
0: <laughs> or go grab your favorite Barrier developer and switch all his desktops to Wayland, <laughs> <laughs> and see if he can survive the day. No, he right. <laughs> just kill everyone. Anyway, this uh, I found this article from Reddit, but of course it, the GitHub is also linked in the show notes, so you can try that out uh, at your uh, at your leisure
2: all right very good so let's move on to some linux in the ham shack and we actually have more than one linux in the ham shack story tonight this is very exciting news so the first one is an easy one cheryl do you want to read the first one cheryl at the microphone
3: yes cheryl's at the
2: microphone (laughs) Uh, okay i just just wanted to make sure you can can handle this first one because it's just a a release so
3: okay sure (laughs) what the heck (laughs)
2: I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to belittle you or anything. It's just, you know, you you don't have to know anything about this topic to read the story. So.
3: Okay. All right. Whatever. So, all right. So our first topic is WSJTX 2.4.0-RC3 is out. Candidate releases are intended for beta testers, individuals interested in testing the program's new features and providing feedback to the WSJT development team. This is the third candidate release for 2.4.0, which introduces a new digital mode called Q65 designed for minimal two-way QSOs over especially difficult propagation paths, including EME and most types of scatter. Be sure to read release notes and the quick start guide to Q65. Send bug reports and feedback to wsjt devel at list.sourceforge.net. You will need to subscribe to the list in order to post there. Uh, WSJTX is licensed under the terms of version three of the new general public license. Development of the software is a cooperative project to which many amateur Radio operators have contributed. If you use our code, please have the courtesy to let us know about it. If you find bugs or make improvements to the code, please report them to us in a timely fashion. Derivative software for anything beyond personal use must not include the Q65 mode until the general availability release of WSJTX 2.4.0.
2: Okay, no. I'm going to have to ask you to go back and read it again because you didn't make any mistakes.
0: <laughs> well, you, just, <laughs> Sorry.
3: You,
0: you did pronounce beta weird, but that's okay. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> you, you pronounced it <laughs> not like, as black as, like fish, a, but. Not as bad as a European. I, you know,
3: beta. <laughs>
0: <laughs> beta. I think it's a beta or something. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Weird.
3: <laughs> I, I meant to say beta, and I, yeah, it came out as beta. So, I well, bet beta a lot.
2: Is, Oh, no. That is a real thing. It's a little black fish that swims in a bowl by itself, yeah. or yeah. blue,
3: or red, or right. green. And or, if you yeah, put two
2: of them in the same bowl, they eat each other. They, so, kill, no, each they other. kill
3: each other. Well, they, they're fighting just, fish. Right. <laughs> so they get all puffy and you know get real pretty, and then they go at e- ripping each other apart.
0: Yeah. Now I did want to uh I did add that last bit there, that last that last little section there, that derivative software for anything beyond personal use must not include the new Q sixty five mode. This has actually become a, a little bit of a topic in the uh in the developers mailing list because um Joe Taylor thinks that uh that just because the source is available. And they explicitly say that you're not supposed to use this in a derivative work, that you can't use this in a derivative work, even though it's licensed under GPL 3. <laughs> so um, we're not going to argue that or discuss the legality or legalese of GPL version 3. But if you want a good um, read, go read his, uh, his open letter to the uh, person whom he doesn't name, but everybody knows uh that used Q65 already in a build and uh, a response by one of the people on the mailing list that explained how GPL actually works so it's it's an interesting read if you're not already on the mailing list or if you ignore all those emails you might want to dumpster dive back in there and actually find that one that starts with a thread from Joe Taylor on uh <laughs> on derivative works it's it's
2: definitely worth a read uh, it definitely sounds like something i'm going to check out so It sounds entertaining. Yes, it was. (laughs) Okay, so moving on, we have the Raspberry Pi Pico as an SDR receiver. With the profusion of cheap RTL-SDR devices and the ever-reducing prices of more capable SDRs, there might seem to be a little place left for low-bandwidth devices we'd have been happy with a decade or more ago. But there's still plenty to be learned from something so simple. It's something Luigi Cruz shows us with a simple SDR using the analog-to-digital capabilities of the Raspberry Pi Pico. And since it works with GNU Radio, we think it's rather a neat project. CNX software have the full story and quickly reveal that with its 500,000 samples per second bandwidth, it's not a machine that will set the SDR world on fire, even when pushing Nyquist law to the limit. So with the exception of time signals and a few long-wave broadcast stations, if you live somewhere that still has them... You'll, fu- you'll need a filter and receive converter to pull in anything of much use, radio-wise, with this SDR. But a baseband SDR with a cap- uh, couple of hundred kilohertz useful bandwidth and easy hackability through GNU Radio for the trifling cost of a Raspberry Pi Pico has to be worth a second look. Oh, that's cool. So that came from Hackaday.
0: Yeah, Hackaday was uh, was hitting the, the ham radio articles uh, quite heavily. And I saw this one I thought, yeah, that sounds like, good enough to throw it in the Linux and the ham shack segment because it's ham radio and open source source. all together in one so
2: yeah check that out on hackaday and it came from hackaday which is a place that bill likes to crap on a lot (laughs) (laughs) no i do not no it's not hackaday which is the one that you don't like it's um zd net maybe
0: yeah zd net davis come on everybody
2: (laughs) So, anyway, we got more ra- Raspberry Pi news and Bill's going to tell us what that is.
0: Yeah, this is another one. Uh, this one came from Tom's Hardware and this is Raspberry Pi Ham, a waterproof SDR for enthusiasts and noobs.
2: We like noobs. noobs. Like noobs? Noobs. Yeah. yeah. Are you sure Are you sure it's not newha?
0: <laughs> Nuhas. It's Nuhas. <laughs> news <sighs> <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah, so the, uh, the Raspberry Pi community is built upon a fellowship of makers, well, maybe, uh, who are always itching to find out more ways to communicate and interact using their favorite single board computer. Uh, one maker, known on Reddit as Splash07S, decided it was time to listen for a change and built a custom software defined radio uh, rig called a Raspberry Ham. SDRs are popular among amateur radio operators. This is where the term ham radio operator comes from. Okay, whatever.
2: <laughs> uh, it um, is. I mean, I, there were I SDRs, SDRs exactly when it. ham radio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. Uh, Do some research. Anyway, uh, users can listen to a wide range of frequencies ranging from air traffic control to local scanners. Okay, that doesn't make sense either. If the transmission is (laughs) unencrypted and open to the public, you can listen in. Well, you can actually listen into encrypted ones as well. (laughs) This project uses Raspberry Pi as a base for the radio. Splash07S recently uploaded a complete detailed parts list, which you can view on Reddit. Uh, you know, the front page of the internet. Uh, uh the major components used uh, were the Raspberry Pi 3B plus a Pelican 1200 case and RTL, RTL SDR dongle. Uh, the Pelican case is entirely waterproof and features external ports with waterproof casings. Uh, externally, you can take advantage of HDMI and Ethernet port, multiple USB imports and even a 3.5 millimeter jack. The image used for the SDR functionality comes from a developer named Luigi Cruz. You can find his SDR image for the Raspberry Pi on GitHub. And of course, all those links are in the show notes, including the Reddit thread that this was taken from on Tom's hardware. All right, very good. Yeah. <laughs> and- yeah, the build itself looks pretty good. I definitely want to check that out. Um to so I'm gonna download that and put that on one of my pies here. So and see what it looks like.
2: Stuff it in your pie. Is that what you're going to do? Stuff it in my pie. (laughs) All right. Very good. So that means we have actually made it to the bottom of our list. That's, That's the end of the show, sort of. But we do have the social media roundup, and we definitely want to get to this one because there are some folks in here we want to mention because probably the QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo helped us out a little bit with our Patreons and subscribers and uh, new visitors to our social media platforms. So we'll bring Cheryl in here and we'll let her read down through these lists that have some different names on them.
3: Yes, I noticed several new names. So let's start the list with our Patreons. We have Douglas Shock, which is new. We have Eric Guth, Brandon Rosick, John Spriggs, Robert Lewis, Robert Pitts, Douglas Redder, David Jakeway, Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erno Costales, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gover, Herb Garcia, Steve Sainer, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Andy Webster. For our subscriptions, we have Eric Muller, which is new, and Carl Backus, which is also new. We have Isaac Geyer, Thomas Foy, Michael Bradac, Kevin Ivey, Tony Coberly, Ronald Ikey, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spotts, Fred Cole, Bill Piotr, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hale, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Ditmer, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Engel, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biella, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman. On Facebook, we had Bob Leach, Alfonso Restivo, Cobra Carr, and Terry Lowry join us. On Twitter, we had at PY1RCH, at KI5MIT, and at Lynchpin. On YouTube, we had Neeson3140, Carl Keller, Tony Pico, Pico. Bob Leach, Invisible Jewels, and Tim Beriducci, And there were no joiners on the mailing list and no merchandise sales.
2: And there actually were mer- merchandise sales. So if somebody wants to talk for a second, I will go dig up who they are. <gasps> <Ooh>. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> and I did want to mention that uh, that those uh, two Raspberry Pi 400s that we sent out for episode 400 have actually been delivered to their recipients. Thank you very much. and. Uh, I hope you enjoy those, and maybe uh, tell us what you did with them. once cool. <laughs> you actually get them, uh, get them going.
2: And uh, we had the yeah. three winners with the merch as well. We had four. Not- oh, is it four? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Because we had the question too. Yeah. So there were right, four. Right. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll get that stuff boxed up and sent out real soon. But I'm trying to get on to see who picked up some merch because there were some merch sales, amazingly. <laughs> Um, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. The site's loading really slow. Yeah, so
3: so, so we're going to say that Russ will get the merch stuff gathered up and the the swag mailed out that people won, hopefully by Monday or Tuesday of next week.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. And we had a couple of stickers ordered by Gary Watson, K6PDL. That's one of the orders. And then we have... Got a sticker sold to uh, Clint Bradford. I don't have a call sign there.
2: How'd you get to it before me? For crying out loud. <laughs> just look
0: at my email.
2: <laughs> oh, I, just, I went to the actual website. So, yeah. yeah. Those are-
0: <laughs> and I think those are the only two sales I see. Yep. Yeah. Those were it. Those were it. Okay, good. Okay. I got the right ones. Yeah. Yep. So, hey, enjoy those stickers.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I, I may have to hit you up for the regular stickers if you have any left, because I think we may be out of. The, no, I guess there must be a couple up there, because I try to keep the inventory up to date. But
3: I, I think I may have a couple in my office as well.
0: I have. I think I have some too still, so I can always I, pick I, some up.
2: Yeah, I,
0: I'll keep an eye out too but. for ordering more. Because uh, yeah, I am running low on that one. I still have the shiny ones. I think you guys have plenty of those too, right?
2: Yeah, we got a pack of the shiny ones as well. So yeah. All right, well that's it. That means we have come down to the end of the show. This has been our short topics episode number four hundred and two of Linux in the Hamshack. But before we go, we want to mention the folks who are here with us listening live tonight in uh, either Discord or using the streaming server. We had Steve KC1AWV, Ted WA0EIR, Tony K4XSS, Ed N2XDD, Darren VK60K. And the Dons, KC9ZMY and KBTYSI. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We are glad to have you. And thanks for all the new folks who have signed up to support the program. We appreciate you. And uh, either way, we just thank you all for listening, and we hope you have a great week, and we'll tune in for the next episode when that comes around. It'll be a deep dive, so be prepared for that. And in the meantime, we'll go ahead and sign off. I'm Russ, K5TUX.
3: I'm Cheryl,
0: W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD, 73.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a community sponsored podcast. The show is recorded live every Thursday at 8 pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com LHS Podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter, and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash Podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info-discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1909-LHS Show. That's 1909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamfest.